This is Everyday Light, a perfectly imperfect reading of the One Year Daily Bible. I'm Molly, a fellow pilgrim on the road to the kingdom, and it is a joy to have you traveling this journey with me, with the Word of God as a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Welcome. This is the One Year Bible Reading for August 28th. And we are in the 28th chapter of the book of Job, and it is Job speaking. People know how to mine silver and refine gold. They know how to dig iron from the earth and smelt copper from stone. They know how to put light into darkness and explore the farthest, darkest regions of the earth as they search for ore. They sink a mine shaft into the earth far from where anyone lives. They descend on ropes, swinging back and forth. Bread comes from the earth, but below the surface, the earth is melted as by fire. Isn't that cool? This is like the oldest book in the Bible. And it's really cool how the Lord revealed through this book how there is a molten core to the earth. People know how to find sapphires and gold dust, treasures that no bird of prey can see, no falcon's eye observe for they are deep within the mines. No wild animal has ever walked upon those treasures. No lion has set his paw there. People know how to tear apart flinty rocks and overturn the roots of mountains. They cut tunnels in the rocks and uncover precious stones. They dam up the trickling streams to, and bring light to the hidden treasures. But do people know where to find wisdom? Where can they find understanding? No one knows where to find it, for it is not found among the living. It is not here, says the ocean, nor is it here, says the sea. It cannot be bought for gold or silver. Its value is greater than all the gold of Ophir, greater than precious onyx stone or sapphires. Wisdom is far more valuable than gold and crystal. It cannot be purchased with jewels mounted in fine gold. Coral and valuable rock crystal are worthless in trying to get it. The price of wisdom is far above pearls. Topaz from Ethiopia cannot be exchanged for it. Its value is greater than the purest gold. But do people know where to find wisdom? Where can they find understanding? For it is hidden from the eyes of all humanity. Even the sharp-eyed birds in the sky cannot discover it. But destruction and death say, we have heard a rumor of where wisdom can be found. God surely knows where it can be found, for he looks throughout the whole earth under all the heavens. He made the winds blow and determined how much rain should fall. He made the laws of the rain and prepared a path for the lightning. Then when he had done all this, he saw wisdom and measured it. He established it and examined it thoroughly. And this is what he says to all humanity. The fear of the Lord is true wisdom. To forsake evil is real understanding. Job continued speaking. I long for the years gone by when God took care of me, when he lighted the way before me and I walked safely through the darkness. In my early years, the friendship of God was felt in my home. The Almighty was still with me and my children were around me. In those days, my cows produced milk in abundance, and my olive groves poured out streams of olive oil. 
Those were the days when I went to the city gate and took my place among the honored leaders. The young stepped aside when they saw me, and even the aged rose in respect at my coming. The princes stood in silence and put their hands over their mouths. The highest officials of the city stood quietly holding their tongues in respect. All who heard of me praised me. All who saw me spoke well of me, for I helped the poor in their need and the orphans who had no one to help them. I helped those who had lost hope and they blessed me, and I caused the widow's hearts to sing for joy. All I did was just and honest. Righteousness covered me like a robe, and I wore justice like a turban. I served as eyes for the blind and feet for the lame. I was a father to the poor and made sure that even strangers received a fair trial. I broke the jaws of godless oppressors and made them release their victims. I thought, surely I will die surrounded by my family after a long, good life. For I am like a tree whose roots reach the water, whose branches are refreshed with the dew. New honors are constantly bestowed on me and my strength is continually renewed. Everyone listened to me and valued my advice. They were silent as they waited for me to speak. And after I spoke, they had nothing to add for my counsel satisfied them. They longed for me to speak as they longed for rain. They waited eagerly for my words were as refreshing as the spring rain. When they were discouraged, I smiled at them. My look of approval was precious to them. I told, I told them what they should do and presided over them as their chief. I lived as a king among his troops and as one who comforts those who mourn. But now I am mocked by those who are younger than I, by young men whose fathers are not worthy to run with my sheepdogs. A lot of good they are to me, those worn out wretches. They are gaunt with hunger and flee to the deserts and the wastelands, desolate and gloomy. They eat coarse leaves and they burn the roots of shrubs for heat. They are driven from civilization and people shout after them as if they were thieves. So now they live in frightening ravines and in caves and among the rocks. They sound like animals as they howl among the bushes. They huddle together for shelter beneath the nettles. They are nameless fools, outcasts of civilization. And now their sons mock me with their vulgar song. They taunt me. They despise me and won't come near me except to spit in my face. For God has cut the cords of my tent. He has humbled me, so they have thrown off all restraint. These outcasts oppose me to my face. They send me sprawling. They lay traps in my path. They block my road and do everything they can to hasten my calamity, knowing full well that I have no one to help me. They come at me from all directions. They rush upon me when I am down. I live in terror now. They hold me in contempt and my prosperity has vanished as a cloud before a strong wind. And now my heart is broken. Depression haunts my days. My weary nights are filled with pain as though something were relentlessly gnawing at my bones. With a strong hand, God grabs my garment. He grips me by my, the collar of my tunic. He has thrown me into the mud. I have become as dust and ashes. I cry to you, O God, but you don't answer me. I stand before you and you don't bother to look. You have become cruel toward me. You persecute me with your great power. You throw me into the whirlwind and destroy me in the storm. 
and I know that you are sending me to my death, the destination of all who live. Surely no one would turn against the needy when they cry for help. Did I not weep for those in trouble? Was I not deeply grieved for the needy? So I looked for good, but evil came instead. I waited for the light, but darkness fell. My heart is troubled and relentless. My days of affliction have come upon me. I walk in gloom without sunlight. I stand in the public square and cry for help. But instead, I am considered a brother to jackals and a companion to ostriches. My skin has turned dark and my bones burn with fever. My heart plays sad music and my flute accompanies those who weep. Second Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12, Paul has talked about his desire to come to the church at Corinth. Well, when I, Paul, came to the city of Troas to preach the good news of Christ, the Lord gave me tremendous opportunities, but I couldn't rest because my dear brother Titus hadn't yet arrived with a report from you. So I said goodbye and went on to Macedonia to find him. And I love this next set of verses. But thanks be to God who made us his captives and leads us along Christ's triumphal procession. Now, wherever we go, he uses us to tell others about the Lord and to spread the good news like a sweet perfume. Our lives are a fragrance presented by Christ to God, but this fragrance is perceived differently by those being saved and by those perishing. To those who are perishing, we are a fearful smell of death and doom, but to those who are being saved, we are a life-giving perfume. And who is adequate for such a task as this? You see, we are not like those hucksters, and there are many of them, who preach just to make money. We preach God's message with sincerity and with Christ's authority. And we know that the God who sent us is watching us. Psalm 42. As the deer pants for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I come and stand before him? Night and day I have only tears for food, while my enemies continually taunt me, saying, Where is this God of yours? My heart is breaking as I remember how it used to be. I walked among the crowds of worshipers, leading a great procession to the house of God, singing for joy and giving thanks. It was the sound of a great celebration. Doesn't this sound like it could have been written by Job himself? Why am I discouraged? Why so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my savior and my God. Now I am deeply discouraged, but I will remember your kindness from Mount Hermon, the source of the Jordan, from the land of Mount Mizar. I hear the tumult of the raging seas as your waves and surging tides sweep over me. Through each day, the Lord pours his unfailing love upon me. And through each night, I sing his songs, praying to God who gives me life. O oh God, my rock, I cried, why have you forsaken me? Why must I wander in darkness oppressed by my enemies? Their taunts pierce me like a fatal wound. They scoff, where is this God of yours? Why am I discouraged? Why so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. Proverbs 22, 7. Just as the rich rule the poor, so the borrower is servant to the lender. And to end today, we're going to finish our chapter in the life you've always wanted. 
an undivided life. So the first practice or the first practices that John Ortberg set apart for us about scripture is to ask God to meet you in scripture, to read the Bible with a repentant spirit, and to meditate on a fairly brief passage or narrative. Um, so the next one, I almost I lost my place there, is take one thought or verse with you throughout the day. The psalmist says that fruitful living comes to the person who meditates on the law day and night. That appears to cover every part of the day. We can't meditate fast. The idea of meditation comes from an era less frenzied than ours. There is no Evelyn Wood courses in speed meditation in the psalmist's day. I can meditate at 700 words a minute with a 90% comprehension rate. Meditation rather is a slow, as slow as the process by which the roots draw moisture from the flowing river to bring nurture and fruitfulness to a great tree. Meditation is important enough to be mentioned more than 50 times in the Old Testament. It's not meant to be esoteric or spooky or reserved for gurus reciting mantras in the lotus position. It merely implies sustained attention. It is built around this simple principle, what the mind repeats, it retains. To begin, choose a single piece of scripture, one thought of God's that you will live with for one day. Select this verse or phrase before you go to sleep at night or as soon as you wake up in the morning. And he gives the example of Psalm 4610, be still and know that I am God. For one day, live with these words and continually allow your mind to return to them in secret. As you do this, a wonderful thing will happen. You will discover that you really want to be still. You really want to know that the Lord is God. And final practice is allow this thought to become part of your memory. Memorizing scripture is one of the most powerful means of transforming our minds. I have hidden your word in my heart, the psalmist wrote, that I might not sin against you. Memorize statements from scripture that will help you in matters in which you need it most. For instance, if you wrestle with fear, you may want to memorize Psalm 27.1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? If pride is a problem, try Philippians 2.3. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. And if you are concerned that you have a memory like a steel sieve, don't be. What matters is not how many words we memorize, but what happens to our minds as we immerse them in scripture. As with any other spiritual discipline, memorization is only a means to an end. I think that's a really good point uh, that I need to remember because sometimes I can get very motivated about scripture memory and then I become discouraged because nothing seems to stick. But the practice of reviewing that and going over it is just as important as what sticks and the Lord will bring the sticking point. Finally, he says, be a person of one book. If you were marooned on a desert island and could only have a single book with you, what would you choose? Someone once asked this question of G.K. Chesterton. Given his reputation as one of the most erudite and creative Christian writers in the first half of the 20th century, one would naturally expect his response to be the Bible. It was not. Chesterton chose Thomas's Guide to Practical Shipbuilding. That makes sense, of course. When we're trapped on an island, we want a book that will help us get home. We don't want to be entertained or even informed. We want a book that will show us how to be saved. 
The truth is that we are trapped, trapped in patterns of thought and behavior that lead to death. Chesterton himself once said that the doctrine of the fall is the one Christian belief that is empirically verifiable. We are all trapped, as Eugene Peterson put it, on an I land where we know neither ourselves nor God and are looking for a message that help is on the way. So the followers of Christ have historically sought to be a people devoted to the word. John Wesley said that a pivotal moment of his life came when he prayed to become a homo unius libri, a man of one book. Let us not forget that the secret of life is pursuing one thing. And as Kierkegaard said, purity of heart is to will one thing. The the words that bombard us all day long from billboards and tabloids and talk shows pull us in a thousand directions. But the word of God speaks to us from his word and can renew our minds. As he said to Augustine, so God says still, take it and read, take it and read. Have a wonderful day. Love you all. Thank you.